Today on Blue 50, the Packers welcome a team with a lot of strong points, but a really strange quarterback situation to Lambeau Field. The Eagles could actually give the Packers a tough time, but how tough of a time will it be? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. Interesting preview today. Um, and I've... As the season's gone on, I feel like we've gotten in a better and better place with with previews. As as I feel like I say every year at the start of the season, previews are tough for me. Predictive stuff is is hard at any level, and trying to do it in a smart way that isn't just here's a list of the players that are on the opposing team is a is a challenge. Um, but I think as we've gone through this season. We've gotten kind of a good rhythm down here. And focusing on the opposing team's strong and weak points and how the Packers match up with those, I think gives us a good grasp of how the game could, maybe should go. There have been downsides. The Buccaneers game is one that that jumps to mind. Um, I thought the Packers matched up pretty well there. They did not. But we we were able to learn from it, and a lot of the things that showed up in the Buccaneers game also showed up in the Colts game. But that kind of brings us to the Eagles, who have some rather remarkable traits, as we will talk about, but are about as weird as you can possibly get at the game's most important position. Eagles come in at 3, 7, and 1, and Oddly enough, they are still in contention in the NFC East. That division is a weird one and a bad one. Nominally, they are third right now. But the first place team is the Washington football team at 4-7. and seven. So the Eagles are one tie behind first place in the NFC East. And if things go according to plan, they will win however many games they need to to come out on top in their division and enter the playoffs as the NFC East champions. And I'm one of the few people who will defend that still as a good idea. I don't think that just because you have a better record than somebody but were worse than the teams that you played twice in a year, you should be rewarded. Your division is your division. Win it and you get in. And the Eagles still have a shot to do that. But they're going to have to do that in large part in spite of their starting quarterback. That quarterback is Carson Wentz, who is playing abysmal. But for a variety of reasons, some of them good, some of them not, he is going to remain the starting quarterback for the foreseeable future. Carson Wentz so far this year, I won't even talk to you about the raw stats or the advanced stats or whatever. Just get your head around this. So far this year, Carson Wentz is posting career lows in completion percentage, yards per attempt, yards per game, passer rating, and adjusted net yards per attempt. He is posting career highs in interception, interception percentage, sacks, and sack percentage. To sum it all up, he's completing fewer passes for fewer yards and throwing through fewer touchdowns while throwing more interceptions at a higher rate and getting sacked more at a more impressive rate than ever before. I spoke with Brandon Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation this week. You can check out part one of our interview. Well, I guess both parts of our interview by the time this podcast is up. 
They are available at acmepackingcompany.com and thepowersweep.com. He said of Wentz, quote, I've never considered myself an anti-Wentz guy. I still don't. I don't enjoy seeing him play this poorly, but I have to be honest about what I'm seeing, and that's a broken quarterback. I think some fans are reluctant to believe he's not fixable, since that would be a very inconvenient truth. But it just might be the reality that we're living in. I don't know if Wentz is fixable or not. Back to me speaking here. But I do know it's going to be really hard for the Eagles to fix him. If you look at the Philadelphia Eagles cap situation, they are so far over the cap, even if things would have stayed normal for next spring, that they have, they're have they going to have an awful time, awful time, putting anything around Carson Wentz. And it might just be better to tear the entire thing down, Wentz included, even if you think he is a, still a good quarterback, and just bottom out here for a couple of years and try again in like 2023. It is that bad in Philadelphia right now. And yet, they're still pretty good. But before we get to one of the first good parts, let's talk about Jalen Hurts for a second. The Eagles took him 53rd overall this spring, creating a bit of a quarterback controversy. Imagine if the Packers had drafted Jordan Love. And Aaron Rodgers played really, really poorly. Or got hurt and then came back and played really, really poorly. You might end up where the Eagles are with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. Hurts is a project. We talked about that this spring. He was a non-traditional quarterback even in his best moments. Right? A little bit undersized. uh, Not a terribly accurate thrower. A spread quarterback in the truest sense of the word. And very good at times at, at that sort of not asked to throw it deep down the field sort of role, athletic, can do read option type stuff, a lot of good things, a lot of admirable things, a lot of things that make you a bit of a question mark as a future NFL quarterback. And he has played in fits and starts so far this year, mostly small package stuff, but he he has yet to play more than seven snaps in a game. But in those few snaps, he is three of three passing for 33 yards He has 12 carries for 56 yards and four first downs and one catch for three yards. It's enough that if you're an Eagles fan of a certain disposition, you might be saying to yourself, why not? Why not see what he can do? And I think I would forgive you for saying that. The Eagles are going nowhere and they're getting there quickly. Why not? What's the worst that could happen? You're going to get worse than 3-7-1? Sure, you technically have a chance to make the playoffs here, but if you're trying to get draft picks ultimately anyway, why not see what happens? Maybe Hertz gives you a better shot. Who knows? Where are the Eagles strong on offense then? Offensive line is where it's at. They are 12th in pass block win rate. They are 4th in run block win rate. As an offense, they are 14th in EPA per run play. This is of interest to me because of how they beat the Packers last time around. They ran it running the ball, and throwing the ball to tight ends. And if they can get the first part of that equation down, that takes a lot of pressure off Carson Wentz, and it could keep the Eagles in the game. And that will be in large part because of their offensive line. Now, their line is a little bit banged up. They've got some injuries there. But if this offense is going to go anywhere, their offensive line is going to be what takes them there. The Eagles, though, are vulnerable. And I think this is more schematic slash personnel vulnerability than a, than anything to do with 
just one position group not being very good, and that personnel vulnerability is at quarterback. It's very possible that Carson Wentz could take them out of this game entirely, or at the very least, prevent them from being competitive. If they can't execute on offense, or if he makes a couple crippling mistakes, that's probably going to be it. Because although the Eagles have a pretty good defense, it's not really going to matter if the Packers still score on 7 of 12 possessions or something like that. So who should we know about on the Eagles offense? Is there anybody? It's not in like the superstar sort of variety or like guy who's flying under the radar sort of thing, but I want to talk to you about it, John Hightower for a second. He was a guy that we talked about a lot leading up to the draft as somebody who fit what the Packers could be looking for pretty well. At a Boise State, six foot one, 189 pounds, ran a 4.43 in the 40-yard dash at the combine. Thinking about Hightower is, or was, basically Trevor Davis, but actually good, because he was pretty productive in college. Went 168th overall, Kamal Martin went 175. So far, Hightower hasn't been too special. He's averaging 16.7 yards per catch. That's good. It's only on 10 catches. That's bad. It took him 25 targets to get those 10 catches. That's even worse. That's 40% catch rate. Even Marquez Valdez-Scantling is kind of like, dude, what are you doing? I don't know if that catch rate is a product of playing with a quarterback who can't get him the ball or what. It doesn't really matter. But it's worth remembering that not all players work out in the draft. That's pretty obvious. But it is a good thing to remind ourselves of from time to time. What about the Packers' offense against the Eagles' defense? Eagles are strong against the run. They are 11th overall against the run by DVOA. They rank 9th in the league in yards per attempt allowed. There could be some causality issues at play here. If you're playing a few close games and teams can keep passing, they'll just keep passing because choosing between passing and running, uh, you're going to go with the more efficient option there. You may also just end up having fewer rushing attempts against you overall if you're just no good at stopping the pass, so teams just don't have to run against you at all. That may be what's happening here, but uh, it is at least worth making a note of that the Eagles' defense is pretty strong against the run. Where then are the Eagles vulnerable? The pass game, a little bit vulnerable. Like we said, they are 20th by DVOA. Darius Slay got cooked by DK Metcalf last week. He got toasted by Devontae Adams late last year when he was playing for the Lions as well. Across from him is Avante Maddox, 5 feet 9 inches tall. He's allowing a career-worst 69% of passes to be completed against him in his third season. And I would think that is something the Packers would try to take advantage of. The Eagles' production ratio and ball hawk stats paint an interesting picture for us. First, they are good at getting after the quarterback and getting into opposing backfields just in general. They have four different guys on the high side of a production ratio of 1.0 or better. Uh, Brandon Graham leads the way with 1.72, right up there with Zadarius Smith. Fletcher Cox is next with a PR of 1.22, a good interior rusher. Then Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat round out that list of four. But in the back end of their defense, only two ball or two defensive backs have five or more ball hogs so far this season. Rodney McLeod has eight, and Jalen Mills has five and a half, and one and a half of those are sacks. This tells me that if their pass rush isn't getting home, they are vulnerable because their defensive backs are not making that many plays on the ball at all. Something to be aware of. If the Packers can protect Aaron Rodgers, they may 
be able to pick the Eagles' defense apart. That is complicated somewhat by Corey Lindsley being out and John Runyon Jr. more than likely starting on the offensive line somewhere, either at left guard or right guard. I'm, I'm assuming that it's going to be at left guard, Jenkins sliding over to center. That seems to weaken their offensive line the least, but you never know. What happened the last time around between these two teams? It was just over a year ago, actually, week four of the 2019 season. This is basically a preview of the story of the 2019 Packers. Packers offense moved the ball pretty well. Devontae Adams had a huge game, but the defense was giving it right back. Last year, it felt like we were saying it ad nauseum. The Packers defense gives up big games to running backs and tight ends. Jordan Howard ran for 15 or 87 yards on 15 carries. Miles Sanders had 72 on 12. Zacher at 65 yards on seven catches. But the Packers still were in it until the very end, driving late, a late interception down in the red zone, in the end zone, in fact, took the Packers out of it. Eagles end up winning 34-27, to and Devontae Adams got hurt in this game, but was having a monster game until he did. What's going to happen in this one, then? I think the Packers are probably going to win here, because I think they have more paths to victory than the Eagles do. Uh, If the Packers can control the line of scrimmage, that means Aaron Rodgers is going to have time, and if he has time, I think he can pick the secondary apart. They just match up really well with the Eagles' defensive backs. If Darius Slay is on Devontae Adams, I've got to like Adams' chances, uh, given their history together, and just given how Devontae Adams is playing, I think he matches up pretty well against basically any defensive back. Outside of that, you start getting into size matchups really quickly with guys like Alan Lazard and even to a lesser extent, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Seems like a pretty good matchup for the Packers. But if the Eagles can control the line of scrimmage when they're on defense, and if they can continue, as they did last year, to run the ball well against the Packers' defense, there is a chance. I'm not saying it's a good chance, but there is a chance that the Eagles could at least keep it close. The line when I did my picks this afternoon was Packers by eight and a half. If you're looking for a vulnerable line, that might be it. Eight and a half is a lot of points in the best of circumstances that if the Packers don't play well, they're not going to have a shot at covering that. There is also the uh, the other alternative that the Packers do a great job against the Eagles defensive line and pass rushers and end up blowing the Eagles out. That is a very real possibility. But among the lines that I looked at today, that was the one where I thought, hmm, eight and a half's a lot. What do you think, though? Well, according to our weekly polls, 95.2% of Packers fans think the Packers are going to win. That is fairly reasonable. I think there is a pretty good chance the Packers do win on Sunday. Also, two other notable numbers this week. After almost two full years of polling, in our current format, Mike Patton has finally hit an approval rating of 0%. Not one voter approved of the job that Mike Patton is doing with the Packers defense right now. The other end of the spectrum, Matt LaFleur, for the first time this year, hit an approval rating of 100%. You can see those full results at thepowersweep.com. One last thought. Twitter user Omai Zadarius offered this question. I remember you running down stats on how dominant offenses have been this year. Is that still holding up definitively or an early season anomaly? It seems like less noise, crowd noise, I'm assuming, would allow offenses to operate more smoothly. 
Did a little research on this. I think this is still holding up. As of early October, an article is out there saying that the NFL's combined points per game was at an all-time high. The two teams, an average game featured 51.4 points between the two teams. That is a, a high in league history. Other numbers kind of tell the same story, too. Uh, teams scoring 30 points, uh, rounding up 29.5 points or better per game are at a decade-long high. Uh, five teams are at 29.5 points or better. Three are above 30 outright. That is higher than any season since 2011. In 2011, there were four at 30 or higher. Uh, we haven't had more than three in any season between those two. So I think there is some some pretty strong evidence that as teams play with small crowds or no crowds at all, they do perform a little bit better. Anecdotally, look at how Aaron Rodgers has been able to manipulate the line of scrimmage with nobody in the stands. He is masterful. He does a great job at it. And it feels like there's no rushing or urgency, even as the, the play clock gets low, as it does on occasion with Rodgers at the helm. But it feels a lot more intentional than it has in the past. He's just so in control at the line of scrimmage. And on top of that, look at his two worst games this year. I think fair to say the two worst games he's had were the the Tampa Bay game and the Indianapolis game. What is in common there? Uh, both, First of all, both road games. Uh, but secondly, fans in the stands in both. Some correlation, I think probably. Um, is it enough to say definitively? Don't know for sure. Uh, but it is something that I think is worth mentioning. And as long as the Packers are playing in front of few or no fans, I think it's a trend that it will continue. Interested on your thoughts. Do you think from your observations that the uh, the lack of fans in the stands has been a benefit to offenses in general, or is it something that's just a little bit overrated? Let us know wherever you find this show, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, interested in hearing what you have to say. We will be back with you Sunday afternoon or evening, whenever the Packers game wraps up, for a recap of the Packers and Eagles game. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and uh, continue to share this podcast with uh, anybody you think might benefit from it, because that will help us achieve our goal of increasing this conversation, growing this conversation we're having around the Packers, and ultimately help everybody become smarter Packers fans, me included. As I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink, and we'll see you next time on Blue 58.